Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 294, recorded December 4th, 2018. So today we're finishing off Star Trek Next Generation Hive miniseries, which I think was quite good. Me too. And then issue number 32 of the original Gold Key from way back in 1975. Wow. Back when they knew how to make comics. Boy, howdy, did they. (laughs) Yeah. Another uh, golden gold key issue. Anyway, there are some interesting things that happen into it. A little uncomfortable, but eh, we'll talk about that later. Hive 3 and 4, the last two uh, issues, and I thought it was pretty good. Between this and all those Mirror Mirror Universe things, I think they're producing some pretty cool next-gen issues out there these days. I wonder where this is supposed to set if Brandon Braga, in his mind, his mind canon, was this the how Star Trek The Next Generation movies were supposed to end? Because there's some things that happen in this movie that you can't go back on. I mean... You know what I'm saying? I mean, stuff happens. There's going to be repercussions. Oh, you mean a lot more destruction of the fleet? I mean, and things? Well, or Okay, well, we just, can talk about that. We're going to talk about yeah. that later. But I'm just saying, I wonder if, you know. Oh, you meant, he, you meant this rather than? Okay, so this is a uh, all good things, but for the movies? Right. Is this how he was planning on ending the movies? Hmm. I think it's very possible that this was an idea for another movie after Nemesis. Right. Because definitely that's when it's set. Right. Yeah. So So I'm just yeah. saying, there's not really a lot you can... I mean, I guess you can continue Star Trek after this, but it would be a different Star Trek than what we've seen in the novels and things like that that come after Nemesis. So I'm just wondering if this was his thought on how it should have really ended, but... oh. Because they uh, never made another movie, it went a different way. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Or if it's just supposed to be an alternate future, an alternate timeline like a lot of the other stuff we've been reading lately. Since it came from Braga, and I'm just going to guess, it originally came from scripts. Did, did the back ever say that for sure? I mean, did, was uh, this not like that I remember reading. an adapted script or at least an adapted script idea? I uh, never mm. actually saw that. It just said it was from him. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's pretty good. I think that would have made an interesting movie. I would but have paid maybe... my $10 to go see this. <laughs> $10. My $10! Uh, that is a chunk of money. I would pay my $10, too. <laughs> I would do that. And it wouldn't even have to be IMAX. Oh, yeah. You can't get IMAX for $10, Ken. But what, what is IMAX cost now? in the now? 90s? Sheesh. <laughs> What does IMAX cost now? I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> you bluffed. Called your bluff. Okay. But anyways, shall we get going with uh, issue number three? or Let's do it. Oh, let me just mention quickly. I did read a little thing 
which by the time people hear this, which will be a long time from now, the way we're going with editing episodes, supposedly the Picard TV series is going mm-hmm. to debut towards the end of 2019. So we'll get Discovery completely finished and then Picard shortly after that. Um, Season two of Discovery yes. and then when it's finished, well, Picard. See, season one didn't have all that many episodes, did it? Like twelve or thirteen? No, but uh, they yeah. Then they took a big, but they took a big break in the middle. In of between, it. in the oh, okay. So you could be right. And then I know they're, aren't not, they? they're not starting it until 2019. So yeah, I know that. I just thought it was it was starting towards the uh, you know first you know, like January February of 2019. Oh, was it that soon? Okay. I thought maybe not. Really, I haven't. Anyway, I haven't seen whenever it, it comes out. We'll see the new Pike. He does look like Pike. Uh, he looks enough like Pike. Uh, the Jeffrey Hunter Pike. Exactly. Not not the Bruce Greenwood Pike. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I think they're going for the original. Right. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that guy makes a good Pike. And when I first saw him in the Inhumans TV series, mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh, he's... He, he, he looks like a good superhero guy. He just, you know, he just has the right square-jawed look and whatever. Matter of fact, he probably looks like half of the people that are supposed to be Kirk in the Gold Key issues. <laughs> good point. Good point. Anyway, yeah. So let's go. All right. Um, so just a little refresher. Um, at the end of issue two. There was a Borg and Federation alliance, and they just found out that the Queen uh, potentially might have been manipulating everybody, and Seven of Nine turned into an octopus Borg. <laughs> yes. yes. So I didn't, I didn't and... actually put a little synopsis in, in. I didn't put a synopsis of the first two issues in the synopsis, so I'm There's just no reason to. recapping. There you go. And as, as I recall, you thought maybe – uh, Picard was jumping to a, kind of a rash conclusion based on what he had to go on at the end of the second issue. Well, no, I'm just saying before we found before she started sprouting legs and stuff. I thought <laughs> rash. I just say that when it went from one panel of "Hey, there's some nano nano probes inside these giant aliens" to "It's all a trap," and uh, and then him turning again turning on the queen and then you know obviously she did what she did at seven and so obviously he was right but it was just one panel of hey there's some nanobots here so therefore yeah but he was locutus that's true and and that that explains everything that's true but like like you said he's right so what do i know well I mean, we knew that he was right at the end of the second issue it was just like yeah i just wish there was a little bit more of Maybe maybe there's another reason why they had nanoprobes. But there wasn't, Maybe. so, oh well. And then the uh, first page of this issue, number three, is quite disturbing. And I will leave you to it. Oh, I'll have to go back and relook. All right, but first we're going to talk about the covers. Uh, so this is issue number three of Star Trek The Next Generation Hive. came out in November of 2012. There is three covers that I can find. Uh, the first one is by Joe Caroni. Probably mispronouncing that. But it shows uh, Lucutus with some, like, pincher hand, and he's, like, squeezing the uh, board queen's neck. 
The second cover is just Patrick Stewart as Picard wearing the little jacket instead of the full uniform. And then the uh, rare cover, the R.I. cover, this is by David Messina, and it shows Mount Rushmore, but this time it's uh, Locutus, a couple of random Borgs, and the Queen instead of the Founding Fathers. That's usually there on Mount Rushmore. And above that is a large Borg cube. So the story is by Brandon Braga. The script is by Terry Matalis and Travis Fickett. The art is by Joe Corney. The ink assists is by Matt Philback and Sean Philback. Colors by Hi-Fi. Lettering by Sean Lee. And edits by Scott Dunbar. As issue two ended, the story picks up right after that. It's on the bridge of the Enterprise E. The Borg version of Seven and Nine has been mind-controlled by the Queen as has started to sprout robotic spider legs. Uh, She uses one of these spider arms to access the ship and transmit all of the Federation ship's shield frequencies to the surrounding Borg fleet. With this data, the Borg are able to force all the Federation ship's shields down, and a very quick bloodbath ensues. This includes the USS Titan, who is not immune to the double cross and is severely damaged, showing possible crew members being jettisoned into the inky blackness of space. At first I thought it was Troy, but I don't think it was. It was just some other dark-haired woman. So on board the... Valdarini ship, which, as you remember, are those large Rancor-looking creatures. Worf's Vulcan strike force is all dead, leaving only Worf alive, and he's possibly missing an eye. I can't tell, but it's very bloody. He's willing to go down swinging, but the Enterprise beams him back over to the ship. On the ship, Geordi is able to stop the Queen's control over Seven of Nine. The Queen then hails Picard and offers him to return back to the Collective and admits about the ruse using the Valdardi creatures to create a fake Borg Federation alliance. When Picard refuses to join her, she starts firing again on the Enterprise, leaving many of the crew bleeding. And I guess knocking out Picard. It's, it's a little unclear, but he takes a hit. We flash 500 years into the future. The Queen appears before Picard in a crazy bikini zombie Borg-type outfit that has her abdomen is just the spinal column, so it's it's a torso or an upper part of the torso, stops at the rib cage, goes down to a spinal cord that then goes down into some uh, legs, uh, which are half human-looking and half robotic-looking. It's very strange, very, very weird uh, depiction of the Borg Queen. Data and Picard then do something equally random where they have little bits of armor fly from all over the ship attach itself to them creating some really odd looking bulky borg armor and then they start to attack the queen in unison back in the present picard wakes in the makeshift triage unit Uh, riker's now there and he tells him that they're all safe now but the borg have already completely conquered beta z and cardassia and they're on their way to vulcan Seven also wakes, and she agrees with the hot-headed woman named Archer that perhaps killing her is the best way to ensure the survival. Seven says that she will always be a possible liability to the Federation. Picard refuses to do this and is then informed that the Borg have arrived. Picard orders the ship to be taken into the nearby Typhon Expanse, where the known temporal anomalies might prevent the Borg from following. 
We travel back to the future. The queen is holding her own against the Picard and Data onslaught. She is actually ripping Picard apart when Data is able to impale her with a spear of some sort that has a glowing end. And then this gives the dying Picard the opportunity to use his pincher arm to then rip off the queen's head, killing her once and for all. As Picard dies, he tells Data to go back and finish the job. He tells Data that it was good to see his old friend once again before passing on. Data gets up and he enters a temporal chamber to find himself reappear on the bridge of the Enterprise E 500 years in the past. Much to that Picard's surprise. To be concluded. How would you feel if you were Picard on the Enterprise in the middle of all this stuff going on and Borg Data just pops up? It would be a surprise. Uh, uh, to say the least. Yeah, and after Seven has already like turned against them, uh, I don't know if I would trust this, this Borg version of Data that just shows up. No. Yeah, and the armor he's wearing makes him look like, I don't know, like uh, Apocalypse or somebody from the Marvel Universe. Just this huge bulking armor that I, I'm not a huge fan of. Right. Um, so, yeah, if this data just suddenly showed up, I don't know if I would necessarily trust him. <laughs> exactly. But this yeah. one is from the future. I'm from the future. I'm like the Flash. I'm from the future. More like the, the Terminator. Terminator. He shows up and he's like, come with me if you want to leave. <laughs> exactly. So how'd you like the fight? Uh, I liked it. The queen, The queen fight. The queen fight, yeah. Yeah, very visceral. I mean, arms are getting just ripped off, and then eventually her head gets ripped off. It's, I liked it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Picard is, like, separated at the uh, in the midriff, like in De Deadpool 2. Just like, rip. Right. Yep. Or alien. Aliens, if you want to go for something older. Uh-huh. Because it even looks like aliens, because it has, like, the little weird balls type things like like if you remember when bishop got pulled apart he oh, had like man these, you are really pulling up the memories intestine type things that sure. but they were like ball shaped and and this when locutus gets ripped apart it kind of looks like the same thing yeah yeah i thought that was interesting because oftentimes robots are mechanical not not squishy right you know so that was kind of an interesting depiction of a robot at the time that came out Right. And here he is half robot and half man, so it makes sense to have a little squishiness in there. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's fine. But, well, what do you think about the queen, though? I've never, this, this is – man, it really reminded me of like Night of the Living Dead or some kind of zombie movie where – Exactly. The, I mean, the chick is supposed to be hot, but she's also like a zombie with like <laughs> exposed bones and all this stuff. So it's just like – it's it's very strange. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know what they're going for because anybody that does not have the comic that might be listening, I mean, like you described, the mid the the rib cage, the the stomach, it's just not there. It's just like the like the uh, red LED uh, spine that's right. going from her upper chest or booby area down <laughs> to, into her pelvis. Right. And then, so yeah. And yeah, then, so she's wearing like a bikini top, and the 
her legs are attached to something that's reminiscent of a bikini type uh, area, but then in between that is just spinal column with a couple of weird wires hanging down. Exactly, and then the actual pelvic area is all all robot, and right. then and in a good portion of the uh, the thigh, and then there's flesh over part of the thigh. It's like, is she decaying? I mean, or is this like a fashion look for her? I just I just don't get it. Right. I don't see how that just having a spinal column over most of your upper body uh, provides enough support for the, <laughs> for any type of fighting or anything. It's just like it looks very flimsy. Like like that's where she would just snap in half. Well, I'm sure she's made out of tougher stuff like derillium or adamantium. Oh, I bet she's adamantium. Adamantium. Yeah, some of that stuff. <laughs> well, it doesn't help her because she gets a, uh, a pike through the the chest, and then she gets her head ripped off. Right. Yeah. So it's pretty gross. Uh, it, it definitely the uh, Caroni. He definitely went for the gore and kind of a horror kind of spin to things, and uh, pretty cool. Right. It was very comic booky with the armor and stuff, and then it was very. Uh, it really reminded me of aliens a lot with the yeah. uh, with the pulling apart of body body parts. Right. So, yep, it's good stuff. And then it was it was kind of cool to see Lakuta say, "It was good to see you again, old friend." Old friend. And then he and then he dies, and you're thinking like this guy's been alive for 560 years, probably somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. So how did that work? Well, we talked about that last time. Right. Somehow their biological bits are kept alive. Well, whatever. Exactly. At the end of this issue, before I got to anything else, I just took in my notes, conjecture time. What exactly is Data going to do in the past with those codes that Locutus gave him to, to deliver to Picard? Right. So at the so time I, I finished it, I, I didn't, I, you know, I had not jumped ahead. So I, I was just thinking, what the heck is going on here? Um, so... Number one, the first thing I thought it might have been is Borg ship command codes that will allow Picard to drop their shields for a change and open up the Borg to attack. But thought that was unlikely because there weren't that many ships around anymore. And they just you did know? it. So, I mean, it's just like... Exactly. That seemed like, uh, eh, not a lot of creativity here, if that right, is the case. Right, uh, and, and the Enterprise E is, is alone in damage, so how much damage could it do? I mean, unless it, you know, did a self-destruct thing. In the middle sure. of all the other ships. Uh, anyway, I didn't think that was a uh, high probability. Could the code somehow be used to take the card back in time a few days to when the Borg fleet showed up at Earth, but now Picard knows enough of the future to open up fire on the Borg ships when they dropped their shields? Galaxy Quest style. Enough to enough to fix one mistake. Exactly. Just yeah, <laughs> Not a lot. Just take it back in, in, in time a little bit. So that that's handy. So eh, possible, maybe not. And then the last thing I thought it would, you know maybe a Independence Day. You know, it's a virus, right? To implant in the Borg ships or something to make them sleep. Sleep. Well, or well, but a virus though. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And that was something Picard could have done in the future, and then save the Federation in the past. So that right. was right. And obviously, it is something. I mean, he. Whatever it is, it's probably the same thing he did to the Borg of the future where he made them all to blow up and stuff like that. If you remember, he pressed that button in, in issue two and 
you saw a bunch of board cubes and stuff exploding before the queen oh, showed right. up. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. good point. So, well, okay, so we're kind of ruining it, but yes. Right, I'm just saying, I don't know. That that was what I was thinking. I, did, I really didn't okay. have an opinion on what it was. I was just like, it's, it's something that's going to make all the board cubes explode. There you go. So, yes. What he used here in the future, uh, I didn't put that together 100%, but that makes perfect sense. That's probably what he sent back with data. Right. Good point. Good point. But yeah, I didn't didn't have an opinion on on what it was exactly. Right. So uh, that first picture, the the first page where Seven is having the spider legs poking out. Uh Uh-huh. You said that was a very painful uh, picture? Well, uh, painful. I, th- I think it's very uh, shocking. Yeah. I mean, because there she is. It's like almost a black and white or maybe a sepia kind of look to it color-wise. And and it's, it's like a horror thing. Oh, it is. So, you know, she's got her normal Borg thing, which is kind of horror right there. But then she's got these eight appendages just sprouting out of her sides. Obviously, she's in pain. And they're all like, you know, like 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 crab, but sharp kind of spi- uh, scissor-like ends to them. The eight of them, very nasty. You could just cut people to ribbons with that th- that stuff. I bet. Right. I like how on that first page, you have Archer. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then and then Picard is saying, Seven, Annika. Yeah, is like, everything all right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> yeah, good point, though. Because, I, you know, you're just, you're just fixed on Seven. And it's a very painful look in her. Right. And um, in that stupid girl. I yeah. knew it. Just knew it. She didn't even get up from her she, keyboard. Exactly. She's just still typing. <sighs> yep, Borgs. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, that could be great, great humor. Uh, that, that is, I mean, if you take it that way, that's pretty funny, right? But you don't—you really don't know her inflections, though. Sure, sure. But I do like the idea. Okay, so um, I gotta say, in the first early issues, it seemed a lot like they were retreading that Voyager storyline uh, with uh, species eight two nine or whatever. Exactly right. Which we talked about that in the last episode. Sure, but definitely. As of this point, oh no, they're they're doing something very different. Well, very different, different right. enough anyway. So th- th- this is where it's definitely veering away from the uh, from that Voyager episode. Yeah, I was a little disappointed that uh, the Borg never use those giant creatures again. So they have ships and a, f- a whole fleet of these ships with large Rancor-sized monsters full of nanoprobes or whatever, but they killed all the Vulcans and stuff, so it's not like they're not good warriors, but we never see them again. We saw them last issue, and yep. they're not in this one, and they're not in the next yep. one. Spoiler. And I'm like, well, that's a missed opportunity. I mean, Borg are cool, but if you have, you know, 15, 20-foot monsters to fight with, then you should you should probably use them. And they have ships. Yeah, the ships were huge. Yeah. But at this point, it's like, I mean, they pretty much won. I mean, the Borg. I mean, at this point, the Federation was on the run. And this thing where Seven's being taken over, 
this is really just a ploy to uh, get Locutus back. I mean, I, they already won the war at this point, I think. Right. Well, I mean, and then they just off screen, they go off and what, destroy Beta Z and all of Cardassia and all that yeah. stuff. It's just like they're quick, just in the time that it took Picard to wake up. Right. And I'm glad that they're talking about the other planets. It isn't always just Earth. Oh, Earth, 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 blah, 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 blah. Oh, they're heading for San Francisco. we got to hurry. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so is the Titan destroyed, or is it just out of commission? They beamed I, over all the people to the Enterprise, and then they're going to go back and pick it up later. I think it pulled a uh, Defiant, and that it's salvageable, but it's so beaten up. They had to get out of there. So. Right. Defiant meaning from first contact when exactly. Worf leaves it and just goes, exactly. to the, goes to the past. Yes. And then Worf says, the Defiant. And then somebody says, salvageable. Was it Picard? Somebody said, it's salvageable. Right. Okay, right. fine. Fine, fine. But it was a good day to die. Yeah, that's what he said here. He was all ready to go. And then oh, yeah. Like, yeah. No, we're going to beam you over. No, we, we still want to use you. Yeah, so so now he's he's like lost an eye or something. So now he's going to yeah. be one eye. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's some damage going on here. Okay, well, um, I, I very much like seeing Titan. I've read one novel about it, and I've seen it referred to, but it's good to see it in action at least a little bit. In one panel before it blows up. Pretty much. Or just that one panel Pretty where much. it's blowing up. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you, are these crew members? I mean, that looks like Tuvok, so I know that Tuvok's on Titan. So are these other two people, the helmsman and the, I guess, first officer? Are those? I don't know. From the off, from because, the books? Because Tuvok is not in the novel that I read. Oh, really? I read like half of the very first one, and then yeah. uh, I quit reading it for whatever reason, and I never right. went back. But yeah, Tuvok was there. Yeah, well, this one, they didn't have them. And it was interesting, I think I might have mentioned it to you before, uh, rather than Titan going around all by itself, uh, there were three ships. So it was part of a... Oh, that's right, a fleet. A little a little task force or something, whatever. Whatever they call that. But in that picture where it shows the Titan getting hit, you see this big explosion on the bridge. And then the next picture shows outside of the bridge, and it shows an explosion, and it shows like people floating in space. Did you think that... Uh... The bridge crew were those people floating in space. So, did you think that that was Troy and Riker? Uh, uh, I did not. That, that did not leap immediately to mind. Because mm. I see the bridge with the explosion, but those people look like they came out of the front of the ship. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you really study it, yes, I, I agree with you. But right. when I was reading it the first time, I see this explosion, and they're all kind of like being thrown back. And then the next panel, well, it's actually in the same panel. Yeah. Uh, it just shows an exterior, and then you see people floating. Yep, I don't think they're going to make it like uh, like Burnham was able to. <laughs> no. No, things were pretty uh, messed up. A lot of deaths there. Lot, Even more ships. I mean, uh, okay, well, even if they – I'm not going to spoil anything. But they get to the end of all this. It's like, jeepers. How can they keep making that many ships? <laughs> all right. So which uh, shield workaround do you like better? Do you like what they did here, which is kind of like what Khan did, which is type in the code and take down all the shields? 
or do you like how they did it in Generations where you can program the phase emitter of a photon torpedo to actually pass through the shields and, and hit the target? So, I, I mean, it's I, kind I of think, the same effect, but I kind of like the no, idea think, of phasing through the shields better than just bringing down the shields. Because I think that if you once you brought down the shields, you should be able to just change the codes and bring them right back up. Well, I agree with that. It's just that I think uh, getting remote control over your opponent's ship, if you could do it, and just messing with their systems and bringing down their shields, that's a lot more straightforward than the techno babble that has to explain how a photon torpedo is able to phase shifting whatever and get past uh, shields and everything. I mean, I know phase shifting, they, they had multiple episodes talking about phase shifting uh, in in the series, but it just, just seems a bit inelegant or right. well, inelegant it seems overly complicated but yeah yeah i mean yeah i, I mean if, if you're able to get your uh your weapons to just bypass your enemy shields it's like <laughs> yeah that's that's easy that's, i don't know that's, uh, not, no, it's not easy it's it's cool well either way i think it would be a very short-term weapon right so i mean uh, what they're going to think... adapt to the phase shifting Right, I would think that you would be able to change your shield harmonics or whatever they they said in generations. You know, the the reason why is that they could see through Jordy's visor and they could see what the shield harmonics were, and they were able to use the torpedoes towards that. And then here, they're just taking down the shields. But I would think that the computers could rescam rescramble the the fleet's prefix codes and then bring them all back up. Right? <laughs> yeah, you would hope so. So either one, I think it's a pretty short – you have a very small window where you can really take advantage of it. And, and They did. And they had enough firepower that they were able to, the, right. the Borg fleet and the Variety fleet or however you pronounce it. Right. Yep. So, yeah. There you go. So anyways, any other comments on this one? So Locutus is the king? They call him the queen. Or they call him the king. The king. Yeah. Okay, but he still doesn't seem quite a co-equal ruler with the Borg Queen. Right. To me. Right, because she's queen by blood. He's just married into it. <laughs> More of a ceremonial type thing. Yeah. So the, 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 the ship that he was on at the be in the first episode, it seemed like he was in charge of that. But in charge of all the ships and the whole fleet, no. It seemed like that was uh, still the Borg Queen's thing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he's still the king. Consort. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And and what a fine-looking wife you have there with the missing uh, middle section. Mm. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm not a biggest fan of some of the artwork on this in this issue, especially like the – when there's a lot of action going on in the backgrounds. Um, it seems really flat and kind of like – not a lot of detail like when they're in the board cube and you can it's just like a whole page and you just see a whole bunch of drones just standing around and it's like really flat and all green oh yeah and then, yeah yeah and then in the space right. battle like the the ships are really flat and then in the background you can see that there's borg spheres and the other ships but they don't have any detail on them at all and it's yeah. kind of just kind of more yeah. of a it's like hinting that something's there as opposed to showing you in detail that it's actually there. Yeah, that's a stylistic choice, I think. Yeah. Right, I know, but I'm just saying I'm not I've I've never been the biggest fan of that. Right. What they yeah, need but, is more watercolors. 
Oh, yeah. You throw in some watercolors. You got me. <laughs> uh, all right. What else you got for this one? Uh, nothing. All right. Well, let's see how it all finishes up. Okay. Well, issue number four tells us how it all finishes up, and that was published February 2013. Stories again by Brandon Braga, writer Terry Metalis and Travis Fickett, art by Joe Caroni, ink assists by Matt and Sean Philbeck. I think that's different this time. Colors still by Hi-Fi. Letterer Sean Lee. Edit Scott Dunbuyer. Two covers this time. Only two. Cover A of this final issue features the human-looking head of Jean-Luc Picard in what appears to be a Borg turtleneck shirt. Along with him are the head and shoulders of the Borg Queen and Seven of Nine, all Borgified. There is a shaft of green light coming up from the Borg sphere at the bottom of the cover with a star field in the background. And the cover is by Joe Caroni. Cover B is a photo cover of Locutus, in a Borg sleep wall socket, wide awake and staring forward with the Borg Queen with a torso next to him looking on. Uh, They appear to be in a hive ship, so this is a photo from First Contact or something. This might be a composite image, as I do not recall Locutus and the Borg Queen being in the same shot like this in First Contact, or any other video production. I could be wrong, though. I'm probably wrong. But I just don't remember that seeing that shot before. Was it during the uh, the dream? Didn't he have like a little flashback when she shows up and he says you died on the ship or something like that? And it kind of shows a flashback. Oh, that like, might be really a, quick. Maybe I don't. Maybe know. yeah. Because when he was all Borgified, that was in Best of Both Worlds, and right. she was not around. Nope. Or at least we never saw her. Right, but in that f- little flashback in First Contact, I think it's it's supposed to be implied that she was always there. Ah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Anyway, okay, here it goes. It's happening again. The burning of the Borg nanoprobes racing through my body. The ripping of my organs. The deconstruction and reconstruction into a Borg entity. And then your thoughts are no longer your own. The Borg Queen stands over a familiar figure who is kneeling and staring at the ground. The Queen says, welcome back, my counterpart. My Borg King. The kneeling figure says, I am Locutus of Borg. 24 hours earlier on the Enterprise E. Data appears before a very surprised Captain Picard and crew. They accept his story that Locutus from 500 years in the future reconstructed Data and sent him back into the past to the place and time where he knew Picard would be, the Typhon Expanse. Data explains that Locutus sent him back with a weaponized nanovirus to be introduced into the Borg hive, and once there, tear it apart from the inside. Data claims that within hours, the Borg will be extinct. They ask Data how he knows the virus will work. Data says Locutus worked on the virus for hundreds of years. It will work. Lieutenant Archer is all for it, as is now the one-eyed wharf. But Dr. Crusher points out the billions of people that will be killed, never having a chance to escape like Picard and Seven of Nine have. After the morality is discussed back and forth, Picard says, Enough! Data tells Captain Picard the only way to effectively distribute the virus is to implant it in the Queen. 
From there, it will be touched by all nodes. The card must be assimilated again to get it close enough to the queen. Riker and Crusher protest, but Worf sees no other way. The card consults with Seven of Nine, who says it's the only way to stop this from happening to others. Once you are assimilated, you are never truly the same person. The card agrees. They exit the nebula and warp into the heart of the Borg fleet as they are traveling to Earth. They find the ship the Queen is on and transport over the card, Data, and Seven of Nine. The Queen thinks she still has control over Seven, and Data will register as a drone. They walk through the command ship towards the location of the Queen, but she comes up behind Picard and welcomes Locutus home. Meanwhile, outside the command ship, Riker is taking the Enterprise-E through evasive maneuvers, firing everything the lone ship has to buy Picard and the away team all the time they can. Inside, Picard tells the Queen he is through fighting. He says he belongs with her in the Collective, and she infects him. But the implant is working. The Borg voices are all around his mind, but... but The Borg voices are all around in his mind, but Picard is still himself, still an individual. The Queen realizes this and does not know what to do. She weakens and begins to bleed green blood out of her eyes, nose, and ears, just for a bonus. On the Enterprise, the Borg stop firing on them and start to move erratically. Geordi says the virus has spread rapidly. Data begins to disappear, since he would have never been created in this new timeline, where the Borg never conquered the Federation or survived beyond this day. Data tells Picard they will meet again soon. Riker's voice breaks in, saying they need to get out of there. Picard says, not yet. He and Seven need to save as many as they can. Hearing this, Lieutenant Archer goes off a deep end and pulls a phaser on Riker. Seven is using her knowledge of the Borg network to disconnect as many drones as she can in the short time they have. With 300 disconnected, Picard contacts Riker to tell rescue ships to scan for the Borg survivors. But there is no contact. Archer is firing her phaser and in the confusion fires photon torpedoes. They strike the Queen's ship and cause great damage. But Seven continues to free drones. Picard and Seven are finally beamed out, but Seven's injuries are too great, and she dies. But only after she communicates, she has freed thousands of drones. Later, they are able to save 5,000 freed drones, who are eventually settled on a peaceful planet where they can recover and work towards being fully human again. Picard orders Helm to set course for Earth. He has to go to the Daystrom Institute, where Data is. Picard sits at the con, alone, in his own thoughts. The end. The end. The end. The end. A happy ending, except for all those people that died. And all that destruction. Mm-hmm. And, no, they don't, uh, they don't count. Those people don't count. And uh, what, what uh, Vulcan, would, would that have been conquered by now? Uh, Beta Zed was, uh, yeah. And Cardassia, yep, yep. Cardassia, but who cares about them? They're bad guys. They're spoonheads. Don't They're call spoonheads. them spoonheads. That's They're spoonheads. Racist. I know. Specious. Racist something. 
Mm-mm-mm. Ken, you just bad. I, I'm just bad. Uh, so, yeah, and, uh, I mean, most importantly, uh, Seven of Nine dies. <laughs> yeah, so Seven of Nine is the sacrificial lamb, uh, kind of like Captain America will probably be in uh, the second part of Infinity War. Wow, spoiler. I don't know if it's a spoiler, I'm just my theory. Yeah, I thought he was going to be in the first one, so spoiler oh. if you haven't seen that one. You thought he was going to be in the first one? Well, you're right. No, I thought he was going I thought that uh, – I actually thought Tony Stark was going to – I still think Tony Stark's going to be the one that dies. That could be. That but could the be. whole time I'm watching that movie, I'm like, all right, this is when Tony dies. Oh, no, he's still alive. <laughs> uh, the Russos – one of the Russo brothers recently said uh, they're not done with Cap yet, or they're not done with the actor, Chris Evans, yet. Yeah. So uh, he was insinuating beyond the uh, the next Infinity War. Anyway, back to this. Yeah, wrong show. Wrong show. So, so yeah. yeah, so they, they had to kill her off. They had, they had to kill somebody off. I mean, they couldn't all survive. Come on. They usually do. Well, I know they usually do, but that but then it wouldn't be serious. This is serious. They wow. lost a lot of people, a lot of ships, a lot of people on planets. I don't know. I think Seven's too popular. I, I didn't really buy it. I was like, oh, well, they're going to have to do something to bring her back. But then, nope, they just ended it. So that's I, why I was saying earlier. So that was your like, point? Do you think, do you think that he uh, was really planning on this being the end of Seven? Braga. Yeah. In, and, in, the real, in the real canon. I think sometimes you have to pull up Joss Whedon. Kill off a major character just to show it's serious. Hmm. And seven through the short straw. So you're saying that he did it during? Uh, you're, you're referencing what? When uh, did he do it? Well, he's done Firefly? it. In, he's done it in many things, but Firefly or Serenity, the movie, is the one that leaps to mind gleefully. Hmm. And then, of course, also, uh, uh, so, so the pilot. The, the blonde guy pilot, I forgot his name. Walsh. Uh, Walsh, exactly. So they killed yeah. off Walsh, very beloved character, you know, husband of... Uh, Zoe. There you go. That, boy, ooh, you, you, okay, that's good. Good memory. Um, but he also does, did that in um, Age of Ultron with uh, Quicksilver. So Really? Is he, he, does he do that, that beloved? Well, Okay. I do not think you that just, anybody okay, was so, like, oh, no. Okay, well, well okay. I just, okay. I just said that Walsh was beloved. He was. Okay. But Quick, Quicksilver was a pretty major character. I mean, he had only been in two movies, but still. He's only been in one movie. No. They showed him at the end of the uh, another movie. They showed him kind of zipping around and stuff. That was the next man movie. That was a different Quicksilver. Well, okay. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. At the end of a previous movie, they I'm pretty sure they showed uh, Wanda and uh, Quicksilver like in a cage or something. And like, oh, like kind of a, of a, a preview things? kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Post-credit oh, thing. Oh, yeah, maybe that's true. Post-credit thingy. That's it. That's it. Post-credit. Oh, okay. That's what yeah, it is. That's possible. Uh, but the main thing is, yeah, so he wasn't, okay, so he may not have been beloved. He might have been a little bit lippy. But he was an I accepted think most people character. Were like, I like the other guy better. 
Oh, I do. The guy from American Horror Story? Yeah, he's yeah. good. He's good. Yeah. Anywho. Sorry, I get what you're saying. They had to kill somebody off, so there you go. Why not make it the most popular person? Seven of nine. Is she the most popular person? Uh, I think so. I, I like her and stuff, but I I, uh, I... I wouldn't... She wasn't my favorite character, not a Voyager, and certainly not when you're crossing over Next Gen, which is, you know... I like that a lot better than Voyager, but... It's because we're old, but I think the youngins that grew up on Voyager, that that was their person. That was their favorite character. That was like their was spot. It? Really? Yeah. Well, I guess she was a little spocky, sort of. I'm just but, saying as far as being the most... But I would most say most. Tuvok was kind of spocky, too. But Right. Both I'm Vulcan. talking more about Beloved, not just... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, she she wore her uniform well. I will say that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, so uh, there you go. Picard is with Vash in the end. That's nice. Is he? Yeah. What? I missed what? that. What? Yeah, which I find kind of hard to believe. So, you know, her... Where do you see that? At the end. Oh, at, wow. Okay. Uh, I, at the little memorial ser- service or... They're right, they're right next to each other. Yeah. The second to last to be Vash? Wow, I did not catch that. Well, I didn't say they drew her great. Oh, but. and they're on that same Vulcan planet with the Stonehenge, or the Easter Island Vul- Vulcan head. Exactly. So that's where they okay. settled them. Okay, okay. Wow, I totally missed that when I read it the first they, time. They settled those people on the, the Borg, uh, ah, on that, okay. on her planet. Yeah, okay. All right, all right, all right. All right, I get it. Only the thing I really wonder about in that particular, and I'm just noticing it now, it's like, People have no legs below their knees. That's grass, man. They're That's very thick very grass. Very tall grass. That's very tall grass. Yeah. That's the way the Borg <laughs> liked it. <laughs> the Borg liked to weed through a bunch of grass. <laughs> or maybe they don't like weeding or cutting the grass, so it's that high. Right. Anyway. So, anyway, so it, it seemed like, and of course, like she's practically deified or something. Fine. Uh, and she's back in her sexy outfit. And, um, eh. See, I, I, and speaking of her and, and being sexy, that scene where Picard's being, uh, assimilated and it shows, like, his mind and it shows her, like, naked. Oh! Exactly. That was so. That was so... such an awkward picture. That w- well, yeah. So how, how could she really weird. get behind him like that, really? But no, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, why show it? Why show it that way? It was, her sex, being naked it was like a sexy thing. With her legs around him and stuff like that. Exactly. She was supporting him through his assimilation. I'm here. <laughs> and I'm completely <laughs> draping my sexy form all around you. There you go. Yeah, really weird. Really weird. Yeah. So, uh, Troy. She didn't get much to say, did she? And I don't think... Was she even in this... I know she was in three, briefly. Yeah, I think uh, maybe she, she's in the background a time or two. Maybe that, but that know. would be it if she was in at all. That would Definitely be it. Archer gets more screen time than she does. Oh heck yes! Well, Worf doesn't do anything in this one either, except stand there with you know the General Chang like bolted on. 
eye patch. Exactly. Yeah. I did like that they put him in that. That it's you can actually see the little rivets in there. Yeah, they, like, they have like nice touch. they have like three blue looking rivets or something. Hmm. Yeah, I like that part. Yeah, could, couldn't we have done this a little better? Hey, wait a minute. Jordy has a fake eye. Couldn't you put one <laughs> of those in me? <laughs> no, 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 no. We we're gonna put this rivet thing into your head. There you go. Live it up. Exactly. Um, I do find it very hard to believe that the queen fell for this stupid, stupid trick. He just shows up. All right, I give up. It's me and a, a Borg from the future that you can't tell that has future tech. And uh, Seven of Nine, who you know has already been a double agent a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think she would that's be true. more focused on data. Oh, that that technology looks 500 years in the future. That looks We've very high like that. Exactly. I'd be more focused on him than stupid Picard. Yeah. No? Am I wrong? Do you, no. Do you, didn't you find it weird that she fell for it? Oh, no. I I completely agree with you. Oh, yeah. But she you know, she just had to have herself some locutus. Come on. And then when she gets in there, she finds he's already with, uh, with Seven. With so Seven? Weird, draped like, over him? Yeah, this weird, like, uh, jilted lover type thing. <laughs> it's so weird. Before she has all the green ooze coming out of her every orifice. It's so strange. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nasty when they all start spewing that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh... Okay, so did, did I mention this before? I'm not sure if I did or not, last issue, but... Um... Issue three's published date was November 2012, and this issue's published date was February 2013. Uh, so, break. yeah, w- was there really a three-month gap? Finding yeah. out how the story ended? It happens. I would have been unhappy if I had to wait that long. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know. I was it. going, if I was going every month with bated breath waiting every for the fourth issue. And they didn't have it. Oh, oh. What Christmas? This sucks. Oh, I hate Christmas. I don't have my fourth issue. Anyway. All right. Well, you had to go from Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day, waiting to know how it ended. Exactly. And then you only get two. Then you only get two uh, covers. I mean, then you feel gypped off. It's like I waited three months, and all you gave me was two covers. <laughs> <sighs> no photo. Co- oh no, you got the photo cover. You didn't get the cool. Um, American Monument cover. Uh, no, no, no. You, you got that in issue three. Well, you got that in all of them. One, two, and three had the. There was always some sort of Americana uh, thing bor- going. Borgification of something. Okay, okay. Except for issue four. Ah. Weird. It is weird. Uh, you would think it was the last one they would kind of like go full tilt. Yeah, but. and especially that you, now that you told me they had like three months to prepare it. Yeah, kind of odd. Yeah. Okay. I I gotta say that the last page that shows Picard, you know, doing his full page set course for Daystrom Institute. Make it so, yeah. It just reminds me that I really like that uniform, that style uniform. It's my favorite. I I think it's my favorite too. It's my favorite. That's good work. And and you know, Discovery is fine. You know, the blue, it's fine. Whatever. The gold looks a little like what blingy. No, this 
the first contact uniforms. They're the best. Look kind of bad, mostly black, a little bit of gray, just break things up, a little color yeah. in the in the turtleneck. Very cool. And as far as like functionality goes, I'm I'm gonna give it to the Enterprise. They just look like they look comfortable and they look like something that would actually like have pockets that you could put. Oh the it, jumpsuits? You know? Yeah, the little jumpsuits. Uh, every time you go to the washroom, you gotta like unzip the whole front. Uh. <laughs> I mean how do you do that's a that's a flight suit, right? I mean you gotta zip well, for all the way from the top, all the way down to the crotch, and, and do your business. I hmm. Well, I mean But least, it's it's better than the pajamas. What? It's better than the pajamas. Yeah, or the next generation season one. Oh, those are the worst. Those, those are the worst. Like sprayed on or something. Yeah, that's like one piece, whatever. <laughs> right. And didn't they? Didn't the actors actually complain about that? Uh, yeah, and supposedly they had like back problems because they would wear they were wearing them too small or something, and so they'd have to kind of be hunched over all, all day long. Oh, really? Uh, I heard that somewhere. I don't know. Ah, tough to be an actor getting millions of dollars. Oh, well. So when when I went to the Star Trek experience that's no longer in Las Vegas, but they had those uniforms there, uh-huh. I was I was really surprised that they're not red, right? So they all oh, right, yeah. so bright red on TV, and then you get there and they're like purplish maroon color. Right. And it was somehow the – when it was filmed, it turned red or looked red. Exactly. It's crazy. That's totally crazy. I think nowadays with like red cameras, you know the the really high resolution red. That's a, that's a brand, and and the more higher tech stuff they've got, I think they got a lot better accuracy with stuff. Right. Um, yeah, because it's all about filming. you know tricking you into thinking that you're seeing a different color. Back in the day. Is that what you mean? Well, well they don't they don't well, have to I, do that kind of stuff anymore. I, I yes. Because for whatever reason, the film process, the lenses they were using, the ca- the lights they were using, whatever was going on, uh, they had to make that adjustment. Right. Which kind of sucks because those are cool. I mean, uh, season three forward. Those are pretty cool uniforms. Or did they use them season two forward? Well, whatever. Three and four used the pretty cool ones. More of a jacket kind of thing. Or a tunic, oh, right, right. a tunic thing. You know, at least there's a top part and pants. Much better. I thought those were very cool-looking uniforms, but then when you see the real ones, they're like, eh, weird colors. Wasn't expecting that. Right. Agreed. Right. Agreed. All right, what else you got on this? Because we still got another book to talk about. I know. Um, the only thing I have to say is I'm very impressed with Jordy because he was able to get that virus thing going taking the stuff. I mean, he must have implemented it, right? Right. Uh, And uh, somehow, and then got the filter thingy to actually work this time and get that inside of Picard. Right. And this is the first time I remember them actually saying that he still has Borg implants in him. Right. Because he he says, oh, we'll just modify some of the implants that are still in you. And I'm like, I never remember him saying that before. Well, they have said before at least with Seven, but I thought that was, Seven was unique in that. Right. Um, because she had been, had them in her so long. For so long, right. I, I, I agree. I thought Picard didn't have any of that hardware in him. But, but that would make sense why he can sometimes hear them because they're still... That would make sense. 
there's still a piece of uh, there's still some hardware in him. There's a little com node somewhere in him. Right, right. Or those now that it's all nano things, they just floating around in him. Yeah. And it can sprout out and make those board blisters or whatever you call them. Yeah, because he did have those after he was assimilated again. Yeah. But at least they left his arm up. Okay, <laughs> next one. All right, yeah, let's do it. All right, so this is Gold Key. We're going back in time. So uh, I don't know of the month, but this has a cover date of 1975, Ken. Wow, that's a ways back. 1975. Yep. So as always, I can't find any uh, writers or anything in the book itself. This one's entitled The Animal People. So the cover shows a the cover is a painting and it shows Spock and a woman running towards the reader and they kind of looking over their shoulder and in the background we see a flying craft blasting away four dark-haired cavemen. And then the caption reads, "The animal people, they lived like beasts but rebelled like men." So basically the story is that the Enterprise has arrived to the planet Hercula where the leader has requested aid of the Federation uh, due to some attacks by some wild creatures. Kirk arrives and the leader of the inhabitants, and, and these guys look pretty much human, except they're yellow-greenish type skinned, and they have these two small antennas kind of uh, on their foreheads above the eyebrows. But aside from that, they're fairly human looking. Uh, but they show the Federation crew what... Uh, these creatures are that are attacking all their people and we see that they're actually very human looking caucasian skin colored humans but they look a little caveman-y because they have the long hair uh, but aside from that they look very human mccoy is shocked that these beasts and they keep calling them beasts they're so close to intelligent beings and then he points out that they have large skulls good for brains and and i don't know if this is a typo but they have opposite thumbs those two things are very well needed to make a uh, sentient person uh opposite thumbs not opposable anyways uh while the crew is watching these caged up beasts uh two of them start a fight and then the herculeans sedate them all um, preventing any more observation the leader of the planet then tells the crew that these creatures are actually fairly intelligent and they are being used for labor and other unpleasant tasks. But now the creatures are banding together and attacking the local villages. Kirk refuses to commit right away to helping, but he says that he'll check back with HQ. Late that evening, Spock leaves his guest quarters. I'm assuming that he has guest quarters, but he just shows up walking around. But anyways, he wants to see those creatures once again. While he's looking at the cage, he is clobbered over the head with a club. Uh, then his attacker carries him away, and he also releases all the captured human-looking beasts. Spock awakes in the camp of the creatures, um, and they call themselves the Yerbas. He notices uh, that they seem to speak or communicate with sign language, and he's kind of uh, marveled that uh, it's a pretty significant sign language and not just me hungry, me tired type stuff. Uh, he is then brought to their leader, who is a beautiful red-haired woman named Gurmel. 
and she's able to actually speak. I mean, she tells Spock that she was born secretly uh, away from the city and that she must have some sort of physical defect that allows her to speak where none of the other Yerbas can. She tells him that they are not animals and they should not be treated as such. Meanwhile, back in the city, Kirk informs the leader that HQ has requested that he helps them, and they go out looking for the Yerbas and also Spock. They take a flying craft, and they arrive at the Yerba camp where Spock is. Uh, the ship is ordered to just start firing and kills most of the Yerbas. Spock and the woman, Gurmel, uh, of course, survive and are able to walk off. When the ship lands, Kirk comes out along with the general tasked with killing all the Yerbas. They spot Spock way off in the distance. The general tries to order the soldiers to fire, but when Kirk sees that it's actually Spock, he gets them to stop. The soldiers uh, then take Gurmel into custody, and they meet up with the uh, leader of the planet and also the leader's son. Uh, when the son sees the woman, he instantly falls in love, and he says that he thought that he saw her way back when, when he was a boy, when he was lost in the wilderness. Yeah, this is enough that he actually stands up against his father, and then he, Spock, Kirk, and Gurmel are thrown into jail. Later, Gurmel is forced to record using her sign language to tell all the Yerbas to stand down. Uh, what she actually records is a call to arms, and the general that's doing the recording seems to know what she actually did, but he lets the telecast go out anyways. The telecast goes out around the world, and a war begins with the Yerbas using stolen weapons to destroy the cities and the city folk using their weapons to destroy all the Yerba villages. Meanwhile, back in jail, Kirk sees that these two people are in love, and he performs a secret marriage ceremony so that they can uh, unite their two people. They are then brought to the leader, and the leader shares a secret truth. It seems that the Yerbas were the original inhabitants of this planet, and that the yellow-skinned uh, Herculeans uh, arrived 10,000 years ago and basically took over, enslaving the Yerbas, and they now actually perform surgery on all baby Yerbas to remove their vocal cords to keep them dumb. The newlyweds drink a poison and die on TV while pleading with the people of both sides to stop fighting and to love one another. This seems to work, and immediately all fighting stops, and you see Herculeans and Yerbas dropping weapons and hugging each other because they just saw these two people drink poison and die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the leader erects a statue to the lovers and he shows Kirk that they're not performing surgeries on Yerba babies anymore and uh, all is forgiven all these human violations over the last 10,000 years are forgiven and McCoy makes a little joke about how Yerba babies should make a lot of noise because they've deserved it or they've earned it the end now, what'd you think Ken? Um, a story about genocide. Great. This so, was a really hard story. <laughs> hard in that it's just like it was uncomfortable reading it. These people right. are monsters. Completely monsters. Okay, so so they're not even native to the planet. They came to the planet long ago and basically subjugated and mutilated all the native inhabitants. Um, right. that's not good. Now, right. uh, some may draw parallels with, uh, 
the U.S. and and Indians in the West or Native Americans in the West, but um, or East, every place. Uh, but I did. Did we operate on them? I hope I did. I hope we didn't. Of course, you did right. give them infected blankets, but not anyway, on purpose. Not on purpose. Did we? Did I they? thought it was. Oh boy, that's with chickenpox or whatever. Anyway, the main point is, it's really like it's pretty serious stuff going on here, and this is a this. What, is this a kid's book, or or is it trying to go for an adult <laughs> audience? Right, and and just uh, I mean, right from the beginning, I thought it was going to be more of like a Planet of the Apes type thing that uh, these human-looking people are the ape, you know, the the you know the subservient species, right? As far okay. as intellect and stuff, but then right. they, then they you know kind of go a different route, and they're like, oh no, they they're just as intelligent as everybody else but they've you know basically been surgically altered to make them and i i wasn't sure did they do something to make them dumb too or do they just remove their vocal cords and because I, you can't talk means that you're dumb because i didn't know like, but that, if that's the way they're going that doesn't I didn't mean like you're that. dumb <laughs> well that they they act like i mean even i know they're Spock are like oh these are just beasts and i'm like why do you why are y'all saying that yeah it's ridiculous. I, I was really disappointed i was really felt uncomfortable reading this book yeah no, i agree because I, I didn't know where the mindset of the writer was where are you coming from when you're saying when you're saying this is it just these are completely normal people that people are looking down on or are you really saying that they're somehow lesser because they can't talk i don't know it was well, i hope I they like weren't it. saying that but i mean our characters i mean our you know, Kirk and Spock and company. Hopefully they weren't saying that. But, um... Well, they did. Even yeah, these... McCoy's like, boy, these, these people should be smart. They have opposite thumbs, so there's no... Opposite it's very thumbs. very odd that they're so stupid. You know, opposite it was just, like, thumbs. really weird. What? Opposite thumbs. I've never heard it called opposite thumbs. No, it's not supposed Opposable to be Opposable thumbs. It's, a, it's obviously a typo, but... Oh, oh my <laughs> it God. It was just so funny. You think it's a typo? <laughs> it might be. I don't know, but pretty poor well when it said opposite thumbs i was like i even went back and looked and i was like oh is it kind of like the alien creature from the original alien where he had a, a sixth finger which was kind of like a thumb at the bottom of his hand uh but no they, they had normal human hands it was obviously a typo yeah because i don't know a kind of a, a sixth finger an, an extra thumb would actually be kind of cool that would be handy you'd probably never drop anything again Got nope. that extra opposable or opposite thumb thing. <laughs> and then it all ends with the weird, like, the revelation that they've been doing all the surgeries, which you kind of, you got a hint on earlier that that uh, that there was some funny business going on with surgeries. But, uh, but then when it does come out, and then, I don't know, just like in one panel, they find out, and then the next page, the next panel... Uh, they're doing the telecast, and the the newlyweds are like, "We've already drank the poison, and we're about to die." And then they just die. Yeah. And you're just like, "What? What poison? I didn't see you even talk about poison, <sighs> and you're already dead." Yep. I was really confused, and I don't see how that that helped anything. Yeah. No. It's basically Romeo and Juliet, or something like that. And then everybody, what the Montague, the Montagues and Capulets decide to hug and everything. Right. At the end, I don't. Because I don't remember that. 
Yeah, that's not how it happens. And no, it doesn't happen that way. And these guys are literally hugging each other and calling each other brother. After killing each other. You exactly. Like, so like, so the soldier my is brother, actually... brother, but I'm going to step over my brother's dead body to give you a hug. Exactly. And I haven't washed well ever. And <laughs> and the soldiers are like, oh, oh, my brother. Yeah, I doubt it. Right, right. Uh, well, another thing that's kind of odd, why is Spock so violent? I mean, he backhands Jermall, right? Yeah, because the, the she, girl. she doesn't want to, she wants to run away and he wants to run towards Kirk. So he just exactly. smacks her. He just smacks her. So Vulcan neck pinch. Hello. But then later on he in the issue. somebody in the back Exactly. Of the so why do you do that? I mean, so did they purposely not want to have to confuse the reader with the Vulcan neck pinch? Which is like, that's part of Spock's thing. Right. That was what I was thinking. I was like, maybe because the panel's so small and it was easier to show hand movement to show a smack versus just me putting my hand or just show Spock putting his hand on someone's shoulder. I don't know. Yeah, but it's Spock hitting a woman to the point that she is knocked out. Right. That is so not cool. Well, today, I mean, they, they did... I mean, I, well, wasn't there something – I thought nothing of it, but isn't there something where uh, John Wayne is uh, spanking uh, Maureen oh, O'Hare and, uh, or whatever her name is? Rooster, Ro- Rooster Cogburn? No, it was older older than that. Oh, older than that one. Yeah, uh, Maureen O'Hare a uh, long time ago, uh, like in the 50s or something. Um, anyway, I just – people used to do some pretty – <laughs> amazing things that were like, oh yeah, no problem. But I mean, maybe we're too sensitive now. I don't know. But uh, no, no, no. It's not that we're too sensitive now. You shouldn't be hitting women. Yeah. You shouldn't be hitting anybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Spock has one of the things that's so cool about Spock is he doesn't have to resort to this kind of stuff. He's kind of evolved, and he just does the old neck pinch. No problem. Right. No must, no fuss. Well, not this one. He's just no. He's a exactly. <laughs> he is. And I don't and, like and, that. And, I mean, so that's out of character for him. McCoy's out of character because he acts like he doesn't know how to check to see if a thing's sentient or not. Yeah. He's just like, oh, what a dumb beast. He can't talk. Um, and then McCoy, and then Kirk's way out of character because he's like, oh, I got to go talk to HQ. He keeps calling it HQ throughout the, the – Right. Not, not the Federation, not Starfleet. He's always – I got to go check with HQ. Oh, HQ said this, you know. So yeah, right. <laughs> I've never heard Kirk call it HQ before. No, and usually he's not always calling back to the ranch. He's taking right. care of things himself. <laughs> hey, uh, they're they're uh, they're they're hunting down people that look just like us. Should uh, should we go ahead and help them? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and quite frankly, okay. So was this the one where? It was a secret, and only the king knew, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Only the king right, okay, knew okay. that they had, they had conquered these people ten thousand years ago. Okay. So, why were they calling for Federation aid? Because they are finally rebelling, and they didn't know how to handle it. Well, yes. I don't know. It doesn't make sense because all okay, they wanted but, to do was kill them. And was this another one where they were trying to become a member of the Federation or something? Or? I'm assuming they were already part of the Federation because oh. they're just calling for help. Oh, okay. And and you're the king who, by the way, looks just like Gandalf. And you know... <laughs> With the pointy hat. Yeah. 
and the big beard and the robes and the whole sure. thing. He looks like yeah. a wizard. Anyway, um, and and you know, so you are the king, so you know about this past. But you're going to pull people from the outside in anyway, right. who could potentially find out your uh, your dirty little secret. I don't know. Doesn't seem very smart. Right. So I find it hard to believe that this this woman. Uh, I mean, not only can she speak because she was never ha- she never had the surgery, but yeah. uh, she's also you know she has red hair. All the other people seem to have darker hair. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just thought it was weird that she looked so much different than everybody else. And then even Spock, he I kind of sugarcoated what he says a little bit, but he keeps calling her a beast and he says that she has a she's a freak of nature because she's able to talk i mean those were his words very uncharacteristic for what i would think spock would have said in that situation yeah 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 well unfortunately the production folks seem to be very um lacking information about the tv series of which they're writing a comic series about but whatever but I'm, but also, so there's enough people outside of the cities that are trying to rebel, and obviously it's been going on for a while. I find it hard to believe there's not other babies being born outside of the Agreed. city to get uh, this surgery on. I could not agree more. Same thing. I it so occurred like, to me too. I'm like, even if it's just a year or so, they had to have had a baby or two. Uh, you know, just just assuming that it probably has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Birds that baby never all. stopped crying you know never had the surgery and never never lost its vocal cords so never stopped being quiet then they probably would have figured it out on their own that oh those surgeries they make us give the babies is doing it oh my gosh (laughs) or they're just surprised babies come from where (laughs) so i don't know i i i thought that that explanation was kind of interesting but also i've there's so many other ways they could have already figured this out. Right. And they don't need Kirk to come in there and tell them where the babies are coming from. Exactly. With a 10-minute long speech. <laughs> and it was so when that uh, the son looks at, the, looks at her and he says something like – he doesn't even say that much to her. But Kirk's immediately like, oh, I know that look. They're in love. And then in the next <laughs> together, he's like, do you want me to marry you guys? Like, what? <laughs> well, now that you mention it. Well, even that's one of the what? Yes. Because he's like, uh, do you want me to marry you guys so that you can become the queen of uh, queen of the Yerbas? And they're like, what? <laughs> well, I, I guess so. We have always loved each other this last five minutes. That was really <laughs> weird. Very strange. Thank Very you, Matchmaker Kirk. Yeah. Anyways. And then uh, the weapons that they have on their uh, that they stole, the Yerba stole, were atom weapons that they could put onto a arrowhead and shoot and oh, right, make yeah. giant clouds. So you're saying this is a nuclear weapon. Right. Very tactical. That they're shooting from arrows. Exactly. That you can destroy a tank but nothing more right yeah i don't yeah. i think that if you uh if you're splitting the atoms you're gonna need to do it farther away than what you could shoot an arrow exactly you'll be taking out a lot right yeah anyway so another fine one 
by the folks at Gold Key. And keep in mind, we're ragging on it. We also know that we're we now are not their target audience. Ken, when he was a kid, that was their target. I audience. thought it. I I enjoyed it when I was a kid. Right. So when but we I, rag on it, we're ragging on it with our perspective of you know forty years exactly. later. That, uh, that we have a different mindset now than we did when we were kids forty years ago. Exactly. You know that. Yeah. But but still, you make. I mean, it makes you wonder. Given some of the storylines, who they're really aiming this at? Exactly. Exactly. All right. So uh, next week, or did you have anything else? Sorry. I got nothing else. So as far as Gold Key, I'm kind of looking forward to our next Gold Key because it's Kirk versus Kirk. It has. Two Enterprises on the cover. Oh my gosh! On the cover, fighting it out. Oh my gosh! So this, uh, this it's very not... rare that I look at a cover and I'm like, "Oh, I want to read that." But uh, this one got me. So, so this is not Enemy Within. This is more Mirror Mirror. No idea. It's Gold Key. Huh. It could be anything. It could be a planet of uh, Herculeans that just happened to look like Kirk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They are creative. They will. They will literally make anything into a comic. Okay, cool. Let's read it. So, and then after that is issue thirty-four, which we've already done. That was the our, like our first issue, the the Crystal Planet with the Crystal Dragon. Do you remember that bad boy? Uh, not very well. Well, we're not doing it again. Go back and re-listen to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Please, thank you. <laughs> All right. So, what are we doing next week, Ken? Good question. Since we've already talked about these gold key issues, we'll go ahead and do those next week, Ken. How about we do 33, we're skipping 34, because we've already done it, and then 35. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, so a, a whole episode dedicated to just gold key goodness. Oh, wow. Okay, this should be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, it's also kind of cool to get to a spot where... It it was our first ep- our first episode was this that gold that crystal one issue number thirty four so it's kind of uh-huh. cool to to actually get to the spot where we randomly picked way back when when we were just like let's see how this works uh, and we did thirty four or yeah thirty four yeah so I don't know it's kind of it's kind of uh, bittersweet that you know five years ago that's where we started Woo, five years wow how time flies yeah it does. Okay. So speaking of time flies, we better let everybody go. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us, everybody. On the review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at starT comicbookreview at gmail.com Visit us at our website www.stcomicbookreview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name ST Comic second name book review See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review Let's get the hell out of here